Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out. And if you would, just throw them open. I have no idea at this moment where I'm going. So um, I started a message last week, got the poor guy's name wrong, said jelly bean instead of jelly roll. Messed up right off the bat, started off with a hard start, but we finished strong. And so I'm not going to do a lot of review about last week's message because I'll never get to any of the points for today's message. But uh, you can go back and listen to that from uh, last week. But I was hearing a song. I just happened to just randomly heard this song. It's by a guy, a singer named Jelly Roll, not Jelly Bean. And it's called Need a Favor. And, and when the opening line of the song went off, it says, I only talk to God when I need a favor. I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. Now, the song goes on, finishes good and, 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 and all. But when I heard that, it just hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh, is that where most Christians are? Are they at a place where they only talk to God when they need a favor? They only pray when they know they don't have a prayer. In other words, we're always so stupid. We're always trying to make it all work out. We're always trying to get involved and make everything happen like we can do it. Really? Like we can do it? Come on. Oh, we're going to vote and get in a new president. Everything's going to change. No, it's not. I'm sorry. You're still going to have the same problems, the same issues, the same water pipe breaking, the same flat tire, the same, you know, Groceries cost too much or whatever. I mean, folks, it's never going to get back to the Garden of Eden. We're always going to be faced with obstacles. We're always going to be faced with problems. Then there's the simple fact that no one, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, just hear me out, no one's leaving planet Earth alive. You say, oh, well, the rapture takes place. Those people aren't going to, well, you still, the body, the Bible says your body changes and it goes in, so it dies in some sense to another body or whatever, but ain't nobody leaving planet Earth alive. Why do we think it's so strange when we get old? From the time you're born, every day you're getting older. That's just the way it is. That's the way the cycle of life is. Hello? So if you know that nobody's getting off planet Earth alive, then shouldn't we be thinking about what happens at death? Now, you know, if you're an atheist, you just believe, well, then that's the end of your life. It just ceases to exist. But I don't believe that's true. I believe what the Bible teaches, that there's a heaven or a hell. Folks, right now, just listen to me. I'm not prophesying this. You don't have to be a prophet to know this. If you look at what's going on in the world today, the dark is getting darker and the light is getting lighter. People are going one direction or the other. There is no more fence that people are riding on. The fence is gone. There ain't no fence. There ain't nobody sitting on the fence. It's not somebody even sitting there trying to make a decision where you're either gravitating towards darkness or you're gravitating towards light. Now, the thing is, is we've always thought of darkness as, you know, like you got a cauldron in the backyard and you're cutting up black cats and stirring it, you know, and making up a brew and you got a witch's hat on. That's the direction. You're going into, you know, a drug syndicate or something, you know, and, and, and no, but right now we just have people that are, just simply really messed up in their thinking and life and just gravitating to the darkness and they don't even realize who they're standing with. Hello? 
You know, a lot of times we, we, we need to, you know, if you don't know if you're going the right direction, you should stop and you should look around at, at where you're at and who's around you. And if you're kind of with a seedy crowd, <laughs> you may be in the wrong part of town. Hello? You may should be moving over a few streets and get going in a different direction. Look at the person beside you and say, yeah, that's good. I like that. Y'all are looking at me, making me nervous, okay? Come on. Hello? Am I preaching good? And so there's no sense anymore asking, well, I just don't understand why they can't see that. But they can't see it because they're blind. And so much more, people don't want to call things just as they are. It's black or white. It is. It's God or, or the devil. It is. There's no other way. It's good or it's evil. There ain't no fence. The fence has been plowed up. They already brought the bulldozer in. They already ripped that baby out. It's gone. It's buried. There's no fence. Nobody's sitting on it. Okay? But there's a bunch of people out there in the world who claim to be Christians. Hear what I'm saying? They claim to be Christians. They claim Christianity by association. They claim Christianity by uh, uh, membership. They don't claim Christianity by what I'm going to preach to you today. And, and, and so if you're sitting here today saying, oh, man, you know, I already knew this. Well, you need to take notes. Because there's people in the world that need to know what I'm preaching this morning. There's people out there that you're going to run across who need to understand the point that I'm making this morning about having a foundation of Jesus in your life. Okay? So I don't want anyone that says that they're a Christian to be at this place where, well, I only talk to God when I need a favor. I'm only going to pray when there's no prayer. No, you, I want you to have a relationship with a God who created you. I want you to be able to talk to God at any time about anything, not just when you got a problem. How about when it's just a pretty day? How about when you just saw a red bird sitting in a tree and he's going to say, man, Lord, that is cool. I mean, you came up with the prettiest red. Okay. It seems to be more exciting to me than it seems to y'all here. But um, so I worked, I, I, I showed, I told Talked a whole lot last week. Preached a whole bunch last week. You just had to go back and listen to it. All about Obed-Edom and the ark and coming in and all that stuff. And I can't go over it because I'll never get to my first point here this morning. So uh, it's so far down my notes, I can't even find it. And so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we are. Okay, so go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. That's where I want you to go. 2 Kings 5, 10. The first point of developing a relationship with God, okay, the foundational point you have to have in your life is you must realize you need a relationship with your Creator. You see, if you don't realize that you need Jesus, well, then you're never going to seek Jesus. I always remember this story that, that uh, Papa Dodge told me one day. He said he picked up a hitchhiker on the side of the road. He always had a I'm always picking up hitchhikers, and he picked up a hitchhiker on the side of the road, and they're going down the road, so he's going to witness to him. And he says to the hitchhiker, uh, do you know Jesus Christ? And he says, no, no, I'm not from around these parts. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, there's people out there, they ain't got no, the foggiest idea about what it means to have a relationship with God, much less a relationship with Jesus. They ain't from around these parts. They don't know him, right? And so... 
What I'm saying to you is we got to be the people that are observant. You as Christians, you man, you got to be observant. You got to be able to help people. You got to be able to turn to a person and say, man, you, you know, you know, Jesus. And if they say, no, I'm not from around here. Well, then you know what you're going to say. We got to be equipped in these days because our job in these last days is to tell people about how they're going to have a relationship with Jesus. Okay, so there's a story here in Second Kings chapter five, verse 10. I want to read it here to you. And it's a story of of Naaman, who was this Syrian um, general. And he's coming to Elijah because he's a leper. Let me just read it to you. And Elijah sent a message to him saying, okay, wait a minute. i got to tell you, I I don't have all that. So I'll tell you the story. So he's a leper, and he wants to be healed of his leprosy. And so they'd gone over, and they did a raid, and there was a little uh, uh, lady that came back, and they took her back as captive, and so she tells the woman of the house, she said, man, it's too, too bad. You know, your husband, if he, if he would meet with the prophet, the man of God over there, he, he'd heal him of that leprosy. And so it gets back to Naaman. Naaman goes over there. He sends to the king. Thanks for anybody that's healing leprosy would be in the king's palace. So he sends to the king and says, hey, I'm coming over. I'd like to be healed of my leprosy. And the king's like rips his coat to his shirt. Said, my goodness, what are you talking about? How, who am I? What they, he's trying to start a fight. And so Elisha hears about it. And Elisha says, well, just send him to my house. I'll take care of him. So this is where it starts. And Elisha sent a message to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and all your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now, the problem was, is Elisha, you know, he didn't, he didn't put on the dog, right? He didn't have no pomp. He didn't go out. And, 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 and Naaman didn't like this because he was expecting like, if there was going to be a healing, a lot of hoopla. Y'all know what hoopla is? You know, a lot of excitement, a lot of hoopla. He has some dirt throwing, some smoke blowing, some, you know, something going on, burning some incense, get some candles out, do something. And he just told Gehazi, his servant, he says, just go out and tell him, go out there and wash in the Jordan seven times and be healed. Well, we all know he man's bound to taking a bath, and nothing ever happened. So he's, he's, he's furious. It says, but, but Naaman became furious. He went away and he said, indeed, I said to myself, who, right there, those are the words you need to, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands and then the, over, my, over the place and heal the leprosy. So he already had this fixation in his mind about how it was going to play out. I can tell you this, of my, I don't know, 38, nine years of walking with Jesus, I had never got God figured out. He always does things in ways that I would not have done things. He always works to get as many people blessed as possible in the situation. He goes, he allows you to walk through hardship sometime so that you can grow close to him and come out on the other end stronger. When I would just zap us all, but then we would be like little minions. We would just be robots. And God doesn't want us to that. He wants us to each and every one of us and our own personality and our own flavor to serve him so that nobody can do anything like you can do it. Hear what I'm saying, man. 
We're all unique individuals, and nobody can do things like you do. You say, well, I'm not very good at anything. Well, you're unique. And there's somebody out there that will absolutely 100% relate to you. But when you start to think about it in your mind and you start to plot it out and plan it all out in your mind that God's going to do it this way, you're getting yourself into trouble. When you start to figure it all, try to get it all figured out and say, oh, well, if God's going to, you know, if I'm going to get healed from this leprosy, it's got to be this big show. And then the jerk just comes out and tells me, go wash in the water seven times. And there's a lot of people in the world today, they think they got it figured out. They think they got it figured out. And they're not thinking that they need Jesus. Jesus is not figured into their equation. Why? Because they got burned at some church. Some pastor did something wrong. Some church person, Sister Sally, that was read her Bible all the time. She did something wrong. Somebody did something wrong to them. And so they've taken and they've taken a little piece of this, that, and the other. And then they've assimilated in their brains what they think it should be. And I'm telling you, you cannot do that. The first thing that a person has to do is come to the absolute understanding that you need a Savior. You cannot hit the bar of perfection, no matter who you are. And you can't make excuses for yourself. You can't say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than that one. Because that don't get you nowhere. You know, I've used this example time and time again, but I just... just, if I lined y'all all up, just make, got you in single file line, all the way from the cross over there, all the way back down the hallway, and I went by and made you whisper in my ear everything you did wrong this week. Well, oh, you're probably right. So let's just say, let's just say everything you've done wrong in the last hour. And I just went down and I, I just wrote it down there. Then I just got me a couple of guys and we just lined it all up and we 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 said which one of you is the biggest sinner? And I put you up front, big sinners up front, little sinners in the back. It don't make no difference. You're still a sinner and you're still going to miss a mark. Okay? We got to have a Savior. That's what happened to me when my first experience with Jesus. I had been to church all my life. I'd heard all the words. I've seen all the, the fluff. I've done all that. I've seen everything. But then when, when, I, when I was in that point of my life, at the, the, the lowest point, and thinking of ending my life, and I said to Jesus, well, you know, I'd never done anything wrong. And then it, it was like a giant scroll rolled out in front of me. I could see everything I'd ever done wrong. And I was like, holy cow, I do not want to meet God. I'm not right. I can't stand in his presence. I can't, stand, I can't meet God. I can't, I can't go in there and just say, well, man, I'm a good old boy. I ain't, you know, never done too much. I, 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 there was nothing I could say. I knew I was guilty. I see a whole lot of the world today. It's like that. Have you, did y'all see that video of that poor, poor, poor misguided young lady when she said she was serious and she was out doing a rant on Facebook or something and she was saying that, that she was plagued with time blindness and that she thought that companies should be aware of a person who's plagued with time blindness? In other words, she just can't get up in the morning and make it to work on time because she has time blindness. And that the company should accommodate her with her time blindness. And I thought, man, what rolls or what rattles around in your head? I'm sorry, but, you know, I hope somebody told her that wasn't a thing. Y'all with me? 
there's there's people then they have this in themselves as they've come to this thought within themselves and they think that well this is the, but folks we all stand guilty the bible says there's not a person on the face of the earth that ever stood on the face either except jesus who was guiltless before god and so therefore if you know there is a god and you know you're going to stand before him you know that you need salvation you know that you need a redeemer that's a logical conclusion hello that's the foundation point that you live your, build your whole relationship with Jesus on. Your whole Christian walk is based on this one point right here. You needed a Savior. But he thought in his mind, Naaman thought in his mind, well, this is going to have to be this way. So he gets mad. So look what happens. And he, he goes on to say, you know, there's better rivers over in Damascus. And he said, could I not go wash in them and be clean? And then he turned and went away in a rage. Now, his servants come near him and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophets had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he said to you, wash and be clean? So they said, look, if they'd have said, look, you got to go climb that high hill over there and you got to do it in, you know, three minutes flat, right? Or you have to bring me the head of a hundred enemy, right? He, he said, oh, okay, well, that's worthy. Because see, folks, you can't earn God's favor. But inside of us humans, we think we can. We think that by doing good, by, by you know, by, by accomplishing something great, then we found favor with God. And Elisha here, even though this story just gets looked over in the Bible so many times, but it's a whole point of this message today about having a foundation of Jesus in your life because what's happening is Elisha is bringing this pompous general to his knees and saying, look, ain't nothing you can do to get healed of your leprosy. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, everyone out there listening, there's nothing you can do to get rid of your sin except call out on the name of Jesus. And if you're looking to do it any other way, if you're thinking or figuring anything else in your mind, well, folks, listen to me, you're wrong. Now, you good Christians, I don't need a show of hands here. Just keep looking at me because if you look down, I know I got you. I guarantee you, each and every one of us, at some point in your life, a thought has come to you that if you prayed more, things might be better. Or if you read more, you might, things might be better. Now, there's a little bit of truth in that. But let me tell you, the devil loves to come and try to say that you have to earn God's favor. You have to earn it. But listen to me, I, I am the son of my parents. And I never get away from that. I could have changed my name, moved off, and said, I don't, I disown them. But genetically, I'm still their child. You're with me. What I'm talking about is a foundation in your life so much that you have a revelation that no matter how many stupid things you do, you're still in the family of God. It's a knowing down here that you've made peace with God. It's a knowing down here that you're right with Him. It's a knowing down here, not because of logic, not because it's the way you thought, oh, well, I did it right. As a child, I was baptized. As an adult, I went to the front. Oh, I was fully immersed. 
Oh, I've always attended. I have all the stars that you could check. All the boxes have been checked. I did my this. I did that. I went to youth group. I did this. I did that. Uh, you know, you, you, folks, listen to me. If you're hanging on to that, well, then you, it, that's not going to count. It's what's down here. And if you're delusional enough to say, well, I mean, look, it's me. <laughs> I'm something great. Surely God loves me. Well, then you're wrong. But I've talked to people on this earth, a lot of people on this earth. And I'd ask them the question, look, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And their answer is, well, I sure hope so. And I'm like, dude, you're not in the right place. If you're sure hoping, what, is there going to be a cut? Like, you know, you, 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 again, you're weighing your goods and your bads out trying to get in. And there ain't no way to do that. And the world has done just what Naaman did. They've, they've let this thing and they've tried to line all this up in their mind. And they just haven't come to the place where they said, I can't do it. I need a savior. That's what the world needs to hear right now. So it says, so Naaman thought about it. So he's a smart man. Now listen to me. A lot of people aren't. There's a lot of people that could have been like Naaman that turned around and said, I'm putting up with this. Tell me to go wash in the water. I ain't washing in the water. I ain't going down there. And got on his horse and rode back a leper. It's the people you find in life that have that place in their life that they're willing to say, I need a Savior. Those are the ones that you're going to lead to the Lord. The other ones, you pray for them and just got to let them go. Because you can't, you can't harvest you can't harvest something that's unharvestable. End of the story, goes over there, goes down in the water. And, and so it says he washed seven times. I don't know if he got in the water and dunked himself and came up one, or he walked in and out. I don't know. I don't know how you technically figure that. But whatever he did, he walked out totally, completely healed. Then he goes back over to Elijah's house. He goes into Elijah's house and says, hey, look, I'm baby fresh. Baby new skin on me. And Elisha doesn't even come out. He didn't even get impressed with that. And he says, look, I want to give you all this stuff. And Elijah said, no, 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 I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing. You don't owe me nothing. But he was, he was, he was blown away, right? Okay. Let me give you another story. Go to Luke chapter 15, story of the prodigal son. You see the same thing happening. Those of you in here, well, I do want to see a show of hands. How many of you in here, you, you know someone that's either a family or a friend, an associate, that you know they don't know Jesus and you've been praying for them? Raise your hand. Look at these hands up everywhere. So these people all over here, I'm telling you, what I'm preaching to you today is what you need to start praying over your friends, your family. Luke 15, 12. I just picked it up in the middle of the prodigal son. If you know the story, it's two sons. One son decides he's going to go out and live it up. Gets his father's inheritance. It's coming to him. He goes off, and he just, just blows it all. And then he ends up in a hard place, and he ends up in a pig pen, a Jewish boy feeding pigs. And so it says here, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided unto them this livelihood. 
And not many days later, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed into a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one would give him anything to eat. Here you go. But when he came to himself, Folks, this is the point, the pivotal point in a person's life when they come to themselves and you understand you need a Savior, okay? There's nothing that can do it. I can pour oil on your head till I rub all your hair off. You can have the perfect church attendance. You can jump through hoops. You can do everything, but it's not until a person comes to themselves and understands they have to have a Savior that the person will be saved. And you good people sitting in here, you should know. Those of you watching, listening, you should know in your own life that there's a point you can say, I remember when I came to myself. I remember when I came to myself. I tease my wife all the time because uh, she was raised Baptist. I was raised Methodist. So that's like, you know, two sides of the tracks. And... uh, She'll tell me the story about a Baptist revival, tent meeting, in the park. The preacher gave an altar call, and she felt in her heart that, that she needed to go up front. She went up front and gave her life to Christ. And I, and I, I tease her and say, well, I, it didn't take very well. Woo! So she'll get on to me. Because then later on in life, you know, when we got right and got our hearts right with God, and I had my experience. So I always tease her and say, well, we're going to get to heaven. Well, I'm going to look at the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going, to see the, I'm going to see the dates when we have these things down here, you know. You know, I like to start a fight. So, but even that was a time that she knew that God spoke to her heart and was pulling her. A time when she came to herself. In my barn experience, a time when I came to myself. Oh, I'd already been through all the confirmation classes. I'd already been up front. I'd already made a profession of faith at the altar. But I did it because I was supposed to do it. I didn't do it because I knew I needed a Savior. There's a difference. And I'm telling you, man, times are coming on the face of the earth right now. You can wave your certificate around all you want to. It ain't going to do you no good. You need to have a relationship with God that's built on the foundation of knowing that you came to yourself one day. You cried out to the Savior. He touched your heart, and he changed you into another person. Your DNA got changed into a godly DNA. Because you're not going to be able to stand in the face of the demon horde of hell and say, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. You need to be able to rise up and say, well, wait a minute. I'm a child of God, born again, washing the blood of Jesus, and you can't touch me. Then all of a sudden things are, whoa, all the spiritual realm wakes up and says, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. That dude knows who he is. See, the devil loves to hoodwink people. Loves to hoodwink people so that they don't think they need a Savior. You can't be born saved. You can't be born into a great family and then you're, you're, you're automatically in because you had a praying grandmother. If you have a praying grandmother, then you're going to pray. She's praying and then you're going to come to yourself and realize you need a Savior. That's what happened to mine. So he says, how many of my father's 
So he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm perishing with hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So you got to understand something. When he came to himself, he understood, and, and I'll just use this vernacular, but he, he realized he had sinned or he realized he had done wrong in his father's eyes. So he already again began to assume there was no way I'm going to be back into sonship at my father's house. So, but I hired servants better than nothing. Right? So he had already given up his sonship in his mind. He said, man, I'll just go back and work for my father. He's a good man. So he goes. Now, you've got to catch this, church. So it was that when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. Listen to me, church. Hear these words. How could the father have saw him unless the father was looking for him? He was sitting on the porch believing for his son to come down. Now, here we go. Here we go. Those people you're praying for, those people that you know don't know Jesus and they're lost, those ones you're praying for, turn your faith on and start looking for them to come down the road. Quit saying out of your mouth, God, I don't know if they're ever going to make it. Start praying for them and saying, Lord, I'm looking down the road just like you did when the father came home. I'm looking down the road. I'm believing to see him coming on down the road. They're going to call me up and want to go to church. Get your faith stirred and believe, God, that in these days we're going to see more people come to know Jesus. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Um, there's revival going on in the land. may not be in our backyard, but there's revival going on in the land. All over, man, even the reports I get from all over Mexico and all around, there's great revival going on everywhere. People are being saved left and right. There's, there's huge, huge numbers across the world of Christians being saved. There's also a huge number of Christians being persecuted. But let me tell you something. God is busy and he's at work. We're not. It's just that we've been around here in America and we've been indoctrinated for so long that people are walking around like zombies. They don't know they need a savior. They're just walking around like zombies. They don't understand right from wrong and they're just trying to get through life. And I'm just believing that God wants, I know God wants to, but I'm believing that God's about to do something in our midst. And I want to tell you something. Listen to me. Some of you may agree with me. Some of you may not, but, you know, write me a letter. The greatest thing in life is salvation. I don't want to take the church and turn the church into all we're focused on is miracles and healing. I want to see people saved. Folks, listen to me. Don't do you a bit of good to get healed if you're going to go to hell. Well, if they were healed, we saw signs and wonders and more people would get saved. No, that's not true. You say, I can't believe that. Go read your Bible. Forget about me. Go read your Bible. Jesus himself couldn't even do any miracles in his own hometown because everybody was mad saying, oh, isn't that the old carpenter's son? That's a something's fake, something's just... Fishy about that family. Oh, Mary, there's something kind of going on there. And they couldn't do any miracles. 
The Apostle Paul, he and Silas go into the town and, and do some noteworthy miracles and everybody throws a fit and says, it's Zeus and Apollos come and they go out there and try to worship him and Paul's saying, no, you idiots, it's not that, it's Jesus. Can't you hear what I'm saying? The next thing you know, the Jews stirred everybody up, took Paul out and stoned him. And then the next miracle took place, the disciples raised him from the dead, I believe. If you look at the scripture, I believe that's what happened. They killed him, but they raised him back up. Miracles were happening all around, but that didn't mean people were getting saved. What brings people to salvation, it's called conviction. Conviction means there's something inside your heart that convicts you that you need a Savior. It's called the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit moves upon a land, there's conviction for wrongdoing. And they realize that they're guilty and cannot stand before the presence of Almighty God with any merit. That's what I want to see sweep across the land. I want to see people convicted of their sin and that they need a Savior. Because then when they get saved and they know Jesus, then all the rest of the stuff just happens and takes place. But it's got to start with the foundation of the relationship with Jesus. The foundation stone is that you know that you know that you know you're saved. So you got to start praying for those people, looking down the road, saying, I'm believing God. I'm believing I'm going to see them coming down the road. I'm believing they're going to come down the road. They're going to come down the road. They're going to get saved. So the, the, the boy comes down the road. The father sees him and says he, he sees him a great way off. He has compassion on him. He ran, he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. This is the kid in the pig pen. I raised hogs. Not proud of it, but I did. Got into the... To the to the, to the hog raising business, had a thousand head hog operation. I was about the third largest seller of pork to Regline in San Antonio when I was 16 years old. And there's something about a pig. Not necessarily a pig, it's what comes out the other end. It really stinks. When it gets on you, it's really hard to get off. And after I went broke and lost everything and, and whatever, it was years, I could still smell my hands. And I swear I smell pig. And the father runs to this pig, this pig, his son, smelling like a pig. He ran to the pig and he kissed the pig. Are y'all with me? Folks, listen to me. This is what people need to understand. It doesn't make any difference how bad you stink. God loves you. It's the love of God that causes people to turn to him. It's the love of God. When a person comes to that and sees that, that, that is what is so amazing and brings people to know Jesus. And so he runs, he kisses him on the neck. And so he starts out his story. He's got it all memorized. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Do you notice the father didn't even address it? He didn't say, hey, I know. Smell like pig, too. No, no, he didn't do that. He didn't even address it. The kid's given his spill of why he doesn't deserve to be a son. And at the same time, the father's calling the servants, hey, bring out the best robe. Go kill the fatted calf. Let's eat and be merry, for my son was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, put yourself in the shoes of that kid. You know you've done wrong. 
You know inside of you that you've done wrong, that you've not measured and, and, and got to that mark you should have been at. But you can't seem to get the Father to listen to you. Then that comes to the place where you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. Oh, it's a glorious thing. When you can just sit down at the table with your father and call yourself a son and just eat and drink and be merry and, and partake of all the things that the father has and not feel condemnation coming your direction. Oh, it's a glorious thing. Sometimes, like if I'm having a, a rough day, sometimes rough days just happen. You didn't do nothing to create a rough day. It just starts first thing in the morning and just a rough day, right? Nothing goes right. And sometimes when I'm having those days, I'll stop in the middle of the day and I'll say, <clears throat> ah, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad if I die right now, I'm going to heaven. I know where I'm going. I'm going to be swallowed up in life. And then you know what? It really changes everything because, yeah, we live in a fallen world. We have problems. There's going to be issues. Things are going to break. We just got through like a year of absolute anything that could break in our household broke. I mean, we had re we've had to replace the stove, the icebox, just everything that you could imagine that would go out, went out, all in about a three-month period. It was as if it just was like somebody turned the switch, and it all died. And every time I turned around, there was something else. And I turned around, there was something else. And I turned around, there was something else. And I kept saying, golly, Lord, come on. I mean, throw some Holy Ghost juice somewhere and make something live a little longer. But after a while, I was just walking around, praise God. Man, I know I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord. Foundation stone of my life is you, Jesus. Man, it's all going. Ain't nothing going to take that away from me. That ain't going to go off. That, that foundation stone, that rock's not withering. There's not going to be any, any erosion on that rock. Are you with me, church? Folks, we've got to have this as a foundation within our life. We have to just be able to get it down inside of us like, like never before. Because then that's going to emulate off of you and people are going to see it. I know things are bad right now. I know grocery prices are ridiculous. I went out the other day. I don't ever go anywhere. I do not go anywhere. And I went out the other day. I had to go out. and ended up having to go pick up some stuff and some parts and get some work done on my truck and did this. And by the end of the day, I got home and I had spent more money than I wanted to, which took me a trip into the grocery store, which uh, was enough to strike terror in my heart. See, I'm the kind of guy I don't buy anything, so I don't know what anything costs. So I have an assumption in my mind of what it should cost. Don't work too well. And then when I find something that I think should be expensive and I find it that it's cheap, I just want to buy it all. Because to me, it's cheap. My wife said, it's always been that price or higher. It's gone up. I said, really? I just want to buy more. Anyway. So I came home, walked in there. I mean, it's just like one of those, it was just like in the back of my mind, I was just like, man, I got to get another job. He says, what are you talking about? I went out into the world. My gosh, it's too expensive. I need another job. Well, you see, 
I'm not dealing with <laughs> I'm not dealing with rational sense here because I don't know what everything cost. You follow me? So it was easy for the enemy just to come up and say, oh, man, you're going down. You ain't going to make it. But the world out there right now, without Jesus and without the Holy Spirit speaking to them, they're just spiraling down out of control. And folks, we've got to show them a Savior. And it's you're going to do it. And they have to have this understanding. They have to come to themselves and see they can't do it without Jesus. So let me give you another scripture here. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The Apostle Paul put it this way to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He said, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified. Now, if the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth to, for them to examine themselves, then does that not mean, without a shadow of a doubt, that you could examine yourself and said, yes, I'm in Christ, and you know that you know that you know? That's why people said, oh, there's things out there in life. You just don't know. You just pray that you do. You're no, no, no. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. The, you have the ability to look inside of your own heart, to look inside of your own heart to see if you're right with God. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have said, examine yourself, whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do not know yourself that Christ is in you so you can have the surety of salvation. And I know I'm speaking this to people. Some of y'all may have been saved for 160 years. I don't know. But I'm preaching to a lot of people out there that are watching today. And I'm giving you information because, folks, this is what the world needs to know. They need the assurance to know that Jesus is with them. Because then no matter how high groceries are going, listen, you're going to make it because God's with you. Now, I want to give you one last scripture. Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. It's a good Old Testament scripture, but it's a good one to to just know what the heart of God the Father is. Isaiah 54, 9 and 10. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. We can go out and we can see a rainbow, and it, and, it, and it doesn't represent the LGBT movement. You can see a rainbow in the sky, and it represents that God Almighty will never destroy this earth with a flood. You see the rainbow, if you know the story, and you're a Christian, you look up at the rainbow, you say, oh, God's never going to destroy it, never going to be a flood again. Right? So, when you look at the cross, and you can look at the cross and you can say, mm, that cross is there because God made a way. And his kindness is towards me through Jesus. It's the same assurance, the empty cross, that Jesus is risen and paid the price for us all. Amen? So, I'm going to encourage you. 
Look down the road for your friends to be coming. Be praying for them. Be speaking to them. When you find people that are discouraged, you find people that are, that are downtrodden, ask them the question. Man, are you sure you have peace with God? If not, oh, well, let me show you. Let me tell you how to do it. His name's Jesus. Amen? Stand to your feet, if you would, please. For all of those of you out there listening and watching, I just want to remind you, I want to tell you, this message, it's vital that you get it in your heart. If you're listening right now, and maybe you've listened to the very first time you heard a message like this, and you're coming to yourself out there right now, and you're in your house alone, or you're in your car alone, and you're driving, and you're thinking, oh, I, I can't be at the church service. No, but listen to me. God knows where you are. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our head. And right now, if you would just by faith call out upon the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need a Savior. You're, you're my Savior. I believe in you. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come in. I forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Right there, he will touch you. He will heal you, and you'll be in the family of God wherever you are. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. He'll never turn you down. If you're in here today, can I have my prayer team come up, please? If you're in here today and you're not sure, you're not, you don't have that peace on the inside of you, listen to me. Don't walk out the doors. Do not walk out the doors today. If you're in here and you don't know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, that's why we have a prayer team people up here. It's for you to just come up and simply say, I, I want that assurance in my heart. They'll lead you through a, a prayer God will touch you right here. You can leave with peace in your heart, knowing that you know 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 you are right with God. Amen. It's the greatest thing in the world to know and have peace with God. So I'm going to pray over y'all. Prayer team's here. I'm going to bless you. Keep looking down the road for your friends. Your family, they're coming, and just get them in here, and we'll help build on that foundation. Amen? So, Father, right now, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. I pray for all those that have heard the, my, the sound of my voice today, Lord, that they didn't hear my voice, they heard yours. That, Lord, that there is conviction going across the land, that people's hearts are turning to you. That, Lord, that they're going to come to themselves, they're going to see. Lord, they're going to be like Naaman, quit trying to figure it out in their head. They're going, to, they're going to be like the prodigal son, Lord God, and come home to the Father. And, Lord, I just pray right now, and I set my agreement with all those that are believing for family members to come to know you, Jesus, or friends, whoever it be, that, Lord God, that they come to know you. They see your glory. That, Jesus, they know today they need a Savior, and they turn to you. So, Lord, bless them. Bless them today as we go. Bless them, Lord God, as we go out and give us divine appointments that are run across people, Lord, that need to know this message. So, Lord, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here for you up front.